Hello ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of Mailbag where we answer your questions to help you build a team this 2023 preseason. My name is Damo and Clarkie is also here. How are you, my good friend? Yeah, I'm doing doing pretty good. It's um we're right in the thick of it for preseason, so all the news that comes out is either making people go panicky or, you know, making people go, oh, yes, I've got to redo my entire team to fit a new player in. And to be quite honest, it's the most fun we're going to have all season uh, until our teams start falling apart or they start going really good during the year. Now's when we usually get an idea of where teams' injury lists are at, where they're finally produce one and tell people who's actually fit or not. And then we start to get the news. We start to get the updates. We start to get all those things. But until those preseason games start at the end of this month, early March, people are sort of just sitting on their teams at the moment, trying to trying to hold on to what they've got. And some people try to do some silly things to try and work out if they can fit someone in. And it's making and it's and it's really like people just want the footy to start. So you said silly things, and I remember that earlier this week I sent you a team that I called All Mids, and it was a team filled with eight premium mids and basically mid prices everywhere else. And I'm I'm still considering it. It's like Plan Z. When when you send me that, I actually had a lot of concern for you. (laughs) Send help. With us this week is resident Jock Reynolds stats man Azza. Thanks for coming on. It's an absolute pleasure to join you fine gentlemen this evening. Thank you very much for having me. Looking forward to this episode. Azza, we saw your initial team get built before our eyes in a Twitter thread. How far from that is it now? And what do you need from the preseason games later this month to lock in what you have? Wow, yeah, that's, yeah, it's an interesting question. I mean, Tinkering happens so often, doesn't it, throughout the preseason? You think you've built the perfect side, and then all of a sudden you're like, mm, you know what? That doesn't really sit well with me. I'm going to play around with it. So I think now it's probably a shade of what it was in that Twitter thread. There have been a lot of changes because you can think, oh, yep, that player looks good to me now. That player doesn't. Oh, I think I might take a risk on that. Oh, no, nah, that's probably more of a bit of a certainty. Um, so now it's probably a lot different to what that thread is. I probably do need to update it. So thank you very much for the reminder there, Damo. In terms of the preseason games, I just love to see, I guess, what how teams are playing. I mean, we've got new coaches at Essendon and GWS. I'd love to see what the game style is going to be because that'll impact the players you look at in terms of, say, a Jordan Ridley or a Mason Redmond in defence or with GWS, how their midfield's looking and... Are we going to see Braden Bruce finally in that ruck one position? Along with that, you also just want to see who the rookies are that are really going to maybe be available come round one. We already know that there's a few on the horizon. Um, Bailey Humphrey was one that was announced today that looks like he's firming for for round one. Uh, And there's a few sort of flying under the radar. Um, One like uh, Adruri at North Melbourne, who I'm sure has probably been mentioned already um, in this podcast, but there's a lot still to come and there's still a lot of tinkering that I'm sure that will no doubt happen from here, Damo. Trust the North Melbourne man to bring up Drury. I mean, I had to. (laughs) I would have been worried if you didn't. Yeah. Let's get to the questions. 
we're in defense for the first part of this. So I guess I, I guess if I say cast your mind back, it's very fitting. A lot of the questions today actually came from the website. So people put the questions in the comments for the previous episode, which hundred percent support. Um, I need to check that more often. So apologies if we don't get to your question, if you asked one. Tom has asked, will Nick Dacos really take the next step and is starting him at D2 a bit dangerous? I, I'm i going to lead on this one and say, I don't think it's dangerous at all to start him as a D2. Um, Nick Dacos represents some value to take that next step. Um, you're not really purchasing him as somebody who he's not there to generate money. He's there because he's going to be a reasonably consistent scorer, um, especially in the super coach format. Um, comparably, he's in the same conversation, I would say, about as Hayden Young, where he's in that really sort of weird price bracket where it's not quite uber premium. And, you know, he's, what, a second year player? Like, this is absolute insanity to even be considering him as somebody who we could keep for an entire year. I think over... Over the Supercoach season, he had, what, six tons? Uh, four of them were above 120, and his biggest was 163. So they're pegging him at the moment for more mid-time. Um, the only concern around him, and it's the reason why it makes me want to consider Hayden Young, is that does that mean that Dacos is labelled as a threat and he gets a little bit more attention because he is still a young player? So that you know could sort of just clip his wings a little bit and maybe he won't reach the height that we kind of want him to. Uh, I don't, I don't think it's dangerous per se. I think if you want to back him in and that, you know, that's part of your conversation with your team structure, then there's nothing wrong with having him as a D2. I've seen some teams where he's D1 um, and those are some really interesting teams. So um, I don't know if you, as if you have any stats to help back this one up. Putting me on the spot. Appreciate that. <laughs> hey, you're the stats man. Yeah, look, it's it's a, it's an interesting conversation to have. I mean, Dacos absolutely blew us away with what he was able to perform last year, coming into his debut season. He was a real rarity in terms of his scooper coach output in his first year. I mean, probably the, the I think the likes of Brad Dalziel that took us all by surprise many odd years ago. For those who've been playing for some time, took us or by surprise when he was by 500,000 halfway through the season. But it's interesting when you look back at premium players now and look at how they started in their first couple of seasons. You look at a Jack McRae, first year averaged 61, second year 100. So a good, great uptake. Patrick Dangerfield, you can't really see much in his first year where he only played two games. So we'll look at his second year of 19 games, average 62 and then 69. So eh, not great. Lockie Neal, proven performer now, only averaged 47 in his first year and 86 in his second. Marcus Bond and Pelly's probably a really interesting one where he averaged 78 in his first year and then 103. A huge jump from him. So I think there is definitely potential for Dacos to see an increase. How much? I think we sort of have to be a little subdued. We know how well he can do, but he's already in the top 20 defenders in Supercoach already. And I, I do think he can go higher, 
but I don't think he's going to be at the echelon that everyone is already pegging him to be in the top sort of five ranger. It's an interesting conversation to have, and I think he will inc- do incredibly well again in his second year, especially, as you've said there, Clark, with more midfield time. But at the same, I think we do need to sort of maybe tone it down a bit, see how he goes in the preseason. But, look, I'm still looking at picking him. He's, at the moment, D3 is probably where I'm looking at him. But D2, not a bad option if you've got a really solid premium. And then if you're looking at some form premiums in that D3, D4 range. His ownership kind of makes it less risky. He's in 45% of teams at the moment. So if he doesn't work out, that's almost half the amount of signups with a decision to make. So, I mean, if you play the percentage, play the percentages, the decision becomes a little bit easier and a little bit less, less risky, but that, that you could also flip it the other way and not selecting him and he doesn't work out, might put you above the pack as well. So it's all about putting those pros and cons next to each other and seeing which one wins you over. But I don't think it's risky to have him at D2. Yeah, and look, Damo, you and I have spoken privately about this, um, but I think it's probably a good point to make uh, on the podcast where it's, it's quite easy to look at a player and then to only focus on the reason why you shouldn't pick someone um, or try to find a reason that, you know, oh, well, he's too risky to have at D2 when it's not it's not about a single player. And, and we say this quite a lot and, you know, we always don't end up following our own advice, but as we say, as we say, not as we do, but it's about your team in its entirety. So if he's your D2 because you see an upside, because you see, look, even with Tom Mitchell coming over, Dacos, like, you know, Dacos isn't going to get any attention with his limited mid-rotations because they're going to be looking at Tom Mitchell. He's an absolute, you know, possession machine. So I have that risk lowered and, it, you know, your risk appetite is then what dictates that. It's not about finding a reason not to pick him. It's knowing I want to pick this guy because I'm reasonably confident in what he's going to do and then trusting your your structure to build around that because we build around our rookies, we build around our mid prices and our premiums. It's all, it's a whole picture question. And you're exactly right there, Clarky. I mean, it's hard to know what the rest of the side looks like in, um, in, in this person's team. For all we know, you know, they could be loading themselves up in midfield and up forward and that definitely can work as an option. I mean, it all really comes down to the structure you're looking for uh, and the risks you're willing to take. But, as you yeah, as you said quite eloquently, there's no reason why you definitely wouldn't look at it, especially with the potential upside that Dacos has. The next question involves Nick Dacos as well. Uh, Demon's delight in the website comments as well. Great name. <laughs> I knew you'd like that, Clarky. <laughs> um, he wants to know: Is it going to be better to have one of the top five Uber defenders and Green or Tom Mitchell? Or is it better to get an Uber mid and Nick Dacos? Tom Green fits the mould to break out, while Tom Mitchell has done it before. I guess the question is, if Dacos does make the move to the Collingwood midfield, does Tom Mitchell take his impact away? It feels like a coin flip decision. I don't think going either way will hurt you that much. No, it's and it's it's the math of it all, isn't it? Because, you know, if that if that one there's going to be one week, right? If you go with the Uber, say the Uber mid pick, 
there's going to be one week where that Uber mid might have been Clayton Oliver that you were considering. And Clayton Oliver goes out and scores a 170. But then, you know, you've got maybe Tom Stewart and, you know, Tom Green who score, you know, 160 combined because it's just an off week for them. You know, don't don't look for that confirmation. You're not going to be looking for that confirmation bias until the season sort of happens. So really the major difference between those two sets of points, it's it's about finding that value in the economy of your team as it goes forward. It's, you know, it's great to have a red hot start and to really hit the upper echelon of those points, but Supercoach is a long game as well. So if you're going to make more money with a green or a titch, then say spending the extra, say, you know, a 600 defender to a 690 Clayton Oliver, that 90,000 can make a difference at the start of the season, but you're not going to be worrying about it when you're in it. You're going to be wanted generating it. So really it's all about the overall structure. I don't think, um, I don't think either one of those options is a bad option. Um, it's, it's all about what you feel when you open the app, what makes you feel happy and feel comfortable about your team? Like don't stress too much about it and just go, this is what gives me confidence that I can plan out my moves. Azza, you got anything to add to that? It's an interesting quandary to have. I mean, I would probably be leaning towards looking at the premium midfielder over the premium defender, purely on a ceiling point of view. Um, when we look at the likes, as, as Clarkie mentioned, Clayton Oliver or a Caleb uh, Mills or a Marcus Bontebelli, we know how high those ceilings are. And you know, we've seen them go over 200 before, and that's an incredible performance. And yes, it's a slight rarity within the season it still happens and then if you can take advantage of that if you've got those players in your team whereas the premium defenders there's really not anyone maybe aside from tom stewart who could really go big so if you're looking in that sort of decisiveness i'd be leaning towards the premium midfielder and dacos i mean we've spoken about Dacos Dacos at length already, and I think there'd be more value over premium midfielder purely just because of that ceiling. And if you're going for someone like a, a Lockie Neal, a Callum Mills, a Clayton Oliver, a Roylet, you know you're also going to get security because of they've been playing so consistently well last season as well, where we also see a lot of volatility with defenders as well, who that they can score big one week, they can score less. So you don't tend to see that in the midfield. So to answer the question, I would be looking at premium midfielder and Dacos. Coit in the website comments wants to know, he's considering starting none of the 600k defenders and he's trying to find some value players in this line because it allows him to beef up the other positions do you think that this is viable or will the big five defenders leave him in the dust? Lechdog and Patch released a great video called Building the Perfect Team and Lechdog has a rule where he will not pick a player above 550k <laughs> and the team that they put together looks quite strong. So I wouldn't say that it's... I would say that it's viable... But you have to 
choose your balance very carefully. I agree that, you know, I think that that's that video that Lech and Patch did, great video. Um, do go watch it after this one if you want. Um, but I, I as well am sort of in the camp, well, you look at those uber premium defenders this year and I think we're kind of stumping a lot of, you know, players and even us as, you know, content creators. Like, I don't look at any of those guys and go, I absolutely need James Sicily. I would love to have James Sicily, but does my budget allow me to have him as well as some other guys? I mean, even if you go with Lex 550 rule, Angus Brayshaw falls just outside of that at 550, 300, but it's it's arguable that his upside makes that 50, you know, 70 grand difference to Sicily a, a nicer option to start and gives you a little bit more cash to spend elsewhere. It's yeah. Um, there's a if if anyone uh, wants to have a look at it, there's a great thread by um, Jaden Poposki on Twitter, who actually looks at um, mid-priced value, and it's actually staggering to see that the best value for points players from the last twelve seasons in terms of a price bracket, and it's a bit complicated, I know that. The best value players are found within the 300 to 500k range. Those are the best value players. And we, we kind of know that with mid prices. We've seen that. It's really interesting to see the amount of times that actually they come off and how often it happens. When we look at last year, 400k players that turned out to be incredibly great Jack Sinclair, James Sicily, Patrick Cripps, Isaac Heaney. Dylan Moore, and um, Rosie. So there is value there to be found. But the issue is is that you're just like any prospector. You, 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 you're hunting for gold, and you're going to try to find it. It's just a matter of if you find it. So there are plenty of players within that um, those ranges that could become absolute gold. It's just a matter of finding them. Sorry, the idea of um, maybe we need a spin-off character, the Super Coach Prospector, and Azza, you can come on and help us pan for gold with some of those beautiful statistics. No, I, well, believe it or not, there is actually a, uh, if anybody is listening and has been around in the fan footy traps um, for eons, there is a very famous person that lives on that forum called Prospector. <laughs> Beautiful. Well, boy, howdy. I got him here, Elliot. Yo, he's only 337,000. Yeehaw. Yeehaw. But I, I completely agree with, um, you know, obviously that information backs up as well. But I think this year as well, you look at the people that we have in those price brackets. Nick Day costs us 500,000. Elliot, yo, yes, he has the injury concern, which is putting a lot of people off. But arguably, he represents great economy for your team at 330,000. Um, West, uh, West Coast have been talking about how well Jaden Hunt's doing, um, which, you know, salary cap, maybe not, but 100% draft relevant. But even then, even salary cap, he could still make some money if he has the right role. And that's that's what it is. All these guys that break out, there's there's kind of this one thing, and it's what we, we are all looking for 
when we're searching for our gold is there's that one thing about their job that changes or their role that changes. Jack Sinclair is a defender, but he spent a lot of time in the mid. Um, the one thing that changed, Elliot Yo, the one thing that seems to be changing for him is that his body hasn't exploded, which <laughs> fantastic for him. Like, you know, obviously wishing him the absolute best. Angus Brayshaw from last year changes that role, goes to halfback because Christian Salem goes out. And then he's playing mid-rotations at the end of the year, as well as playing off the halfback and scoring 150s. Christian Salem is another one in that 300,000. Coming back from an injury, he's cheaper priced. He has a ceiling. Um, and that and that's what you're doing when you're really looking for your little gold nuggets is what's that one thing that makes this guy more viable? Is he going to be more in the mid? Is he going to see the ball a lot more? Is there game style? It can be as simple as a game style. So I think... Um, it's definitely viable to not start any of those top tier guys and spend the money. Of course, there is an inherited risk, and we should be putting that in big, you know, in a big siren. That there is a very inherited risk about taking too many mid prices on, and look, we can you can pan for gold all you want. There's a lot of mud to sift through first, though, before you find those gold nuggets. So, why beware? <laughs> And we spoke about it just before where it's, what's your risk appetite? Like, mm, you know, that, that's probably the best, the best term to describe it is, are you wanting to have a team where you're like, I have zero like injury risks. I have zero opportunity that this guy is not going to be some kind of viable and you can never go to absolute zero, but some people are probably more willing than others to take on multiple fifes and yo's and Salem's and those kinds of guys. Um, but I think if your defensive line is going to get like, where does that cut off? I don't, I wouldn't class Nick Dacos as a risky pick. Um, as we were saying before, I, even Angus Brayshaw, not a risky pick. Those other guys who were sort of around there, like, you know, Hayden Young, not probably not as risky. Uh, Bailey Dale seems to be having a great, you know, preseason, and he's not overly expensive as far as like uber premium defender. Um, Damo, I've done a lot of talking here. Do you have any more points to add to that? I think we pretty much covered it. I, th- I think, I think to answer Coit's question is, it's viable and it won't leave him in the dust. If he can find the right selections and can balance his team in the right way, then I don't think it's risky to completely avoid the 600k defenders, especially if you're going to beef up other parts of the ground. So to answer his question and to move on from this, because we've talked about this for a long time. Sorry, apologies. It is viable and no, he he won't get left in the dust, but it's all about balance. Mm-hmm. Now, this next question was sent to us in the wake of the news that Darcy Cameron left the track with a hamstring injury. Today, though, we have ju- we have learned that it is only going to keep him off the track for one to two weeks, and it's on the very minor scale. So I don't think we need to look for a replacement yet. But let's assume that it, it, it niggles him for a little bit longer than they have thought, and you need to look for a replacement. Who is better, Jared Witts or Brody Grundy? Now, as we spoke about your team earlier in the pod, you had Brody Grundy at at one point. 
What what is it about Grundy that doesn't worry you in terms of Max Gorn being in the same team? Oh, <laughs> you're completely wrong, Adamo. It, it terrifies me. Um, but again, as we keep talking about, Supercoach is a game of risk, but it's just reward. And <laughs> no, I think that's what, I think that's just what happens when you talk about the ruck line. I'm going to be honest. Well, that's that's true. I mean. It is going to be a very chaotic year. We don't really know yet how this is going to work. We know it will. We just don't know how it's going to work for Supercoach. Because um, from all reports, it looks like, yes, Grundy is going to be the primary ruck. We've gone up forward. But then Grundy might go back into defence and then they'll share the roads that way. We can only really see in the lead-up, and especially with these practice games and match simulations, how it's really going to look. But... We know what Brody Grundy is capable of. We know what his scoring output is like. We know how many hits to advantages and hit wins that he has. He is a known quantity and he does incredibly well. I don't lean too much into the the argument that Max Gorn will take points off. We've seen it happen in other teams where it doesn't really have that much effect. And I think two premium players like Brody Grundy and Max Gorn, they will work together and they will work in such beautiful harmony that the AFL hasn't seen since Daniel Brayshaw and Jonathan Brown and Brendan Voller up at the Brisbane Lions. Um, but I just, I can't not pick him at the moment because he represents a little bit of value given that he only played less than 10 games last year. So there is that quantity that wants me to pick him because of that value, but there's also that doubt lingering in my mind that there is other value to be seen elsewhere, especially, especially that I love value in the ruck line. I've never had a set and forget ever. And for some reason, I was looking at Ned Reeves today. thinking He might break out. Um, that's another story. That's another story. Um, but going back to the crux of the conversation with Darcy Cameron, I do like him as a pick. I think... There, there is great potential with him in that role that he's now got at Collingwood. Should we see the niggles continue on and if there's someone's looking for a potential um, potential substitute, Brody Grundy, I reckon, is the way to go. Otherwise, Scott Lysette is one I keep coming back to at Port Adelaide. Again, coming back from injury. And with Jeremy, Jeremy Finlayson on the sidelines... Maybe likely for round one. Who knows? Yet that's still up in the air. There could be some value to come from there. Again, we know what he's scoring at. What's like? I personally uh, think that one of Brody Grundy or Max Gorn is going to be the Luke Jackson super coach wise of last year, where there's going to be some weeks where one of them scores a ninety, and sometimes they might might score a little bit over 100 and then sometimes they'll score a 20. Um, it's going to, like, the thing about it is that Brody Grundy is much more established than Luke Jackson was. So Brody Grundy is also very much, he has a specific style of game that's going to change the way that those midfield rotations work. I think out of the two, I'm kind of with Azza 
in terms of Brody Grundy represents a lot of value because he will play very differently out of the middle and it might make more sense for Gorn to be resting or more utility. And at the same time, Max Gorn is the best tap ruckman in the AFL. Brody Grundy is probably one of the best like midfield ruck hybrid kind of players. Like he's got the athleticism, he's very clean with his hands, he's a very penetrating kick, like all of these things that Max Gorn isn't quite great at. So I can understand your pick for that. I probably wouldn't I'd probably wouldn't even be looking at Wits or Grundy though. To go back to the question. What, uh, out um, of curiosity, Clarky, what's your reason not for going wins? I like Scott Lyson. <laughs> if, he plays <laughs> round, if he plays round one, he represents ultimate value. Um, like, I, it's, there's nothing wrong with wits. There's absolutely nothing wrong with the pick as well. And I'll say that at the outset. For me, personally, I would rather use that money altern- in an alternative manner. But Jared Witts is a great pick. He's going to be fine. He's going to score probably over the 100. Yeah, Brody Grundy or Jared Witts. Jared Witts will easily probably be in the top five rucks for the year with absolutely no questions. But I'd rather find the value in the pick. I think there's not going to be a ruckman who averages more than 115 this year. That's that's my big call for the super coach season at this stage. So I think finding the value in the ruck line poses more of a long term gain than just picking the guy like you know Jared Woods and going oh well he's going to go one twenty like rucks used to do. Um, I think we're kind of past that era of ruck scoring. Last question of the day. The Break Evens podcast has reached out to us on Twitter and submitted a question for us. Go and check them out on YouTube. Jack and Corey, great blokes. They'll be on the mailbag during the season at some point. Uh, they want to know, Canelio or Rosie? You can only start one. Who is it and why? I'll go first. Um, I'm going to say Canelio over Rosie. I think with Taranto and Hopper both leaving, there is a bit of a, as we have mentioned before, and I know this is a good term to use, there is a void of significance in GWS and in that midfield area that I think Cornelio will fill quite well. We know we'll probably see the likes of Tom Green get some added points out of it, Josh Kelly as well too. But I think Stephen Cornelio is one that will definitely... um, take some solace in those two leaving and see a bit of a price increase. Connor Rosie is still on the up, but there's also a lot of competition in that midfield where you've still got the likes of Ollie Wines, Travis Bogue, Zach Butters, uh, William Drew. There's still a lot there where there's not that much at GWS in comparison. I do like Connor Rosie as a pick, but I'm still looking at Cornelio. That is my pick at the moment. How about you, Clarky? I also would pick Cornelioc out of those two. It's like you said, I think I see that GWS core group being 
Josh Kelly, Tom Green, Stephen Canelio. Um, there's there's no other like you you play the players in the position that they're best at. That's what GWS haven't been doing, and that's kind of what Adam Kingsley needs to do. Um, you know, lest we not talk about his comments about Harry Himmelberg being an all Australian half backman, but he's going to be playing as a forward until Aaron Cadman's ready. So good luck with that. But I can't see any world where Canelio progresses. Um, and personally, like, I'm not as set on Rosie as some people, um, not for any other reason other than the fact that's pointed out in this one is that he has a lot of people to compete with. And even price and statistically, he's super comparable to Zach Butters. And I think Zach Butters has more of an upside than Rosie. Um, out of out of those, yeah. So out of the two port forward options there, so it's got to be Canelio for me. For all the reasons that both of you have spoken about, I'm also with, I'm also on Canelio as well. So I think if you put a gun to my head and I had to only choose one, I would choose Canelio. Um, and that's for all the reasons that you guys have said. Rosie has so many different players that he has to compete with for midfield time at Port Adelaide. They still don't even know what their best midfield mix is at the moment because clearly the mix that they had wasn't working and they clearly need some more powerful bodies through there. Like even up until his last game, Robbie Gray was still being inserted in there for a change of pace. So they clearly don't have the midfield mix that they want. So that gives me hope that Connor Rosie, Zach Butters, those sorts of players will get more time in there. But how much time, I don't know. Whereas at the Giants, Green, Canelio, Kelly, those three players seem to have the red carpet rolled out for him to be the main midfielders. Yeah, filed off. No notes. Absolutely no notes. You don't even need the gun. I'll I'll choose Cogs. <laughs> That's all the questions for today, folks. Clarky, thank you. It's always a pleasure. Thank you, community, for your lovely questions. This preseason's been fun. We've got some great guests. Azza, thank you for joining us. Absolute pleasure as always, gentlemen. Thank you very much for having me on. Always welcome on the mailbag. Just let us know when you want to come on. Use hashtag Jock Mailbag to get your question answered in the next one. When we have special guests, do you want to announce, Clarky? Yeah, so we're, we're planning, uh, hopefully, fingers crossed, uh, we're hoping to have MJ from the coaches panel. Uh, I've been a long-time fan of those guys over there. They do a great series called The 50 Most Relevant. Um, so, you know, go check them out and make sure you send us some really good questions because I want to look good for uh, for my man MJ from the coaches panel. Very exciting. So you use Jock Mailbag, the hashtag Jock Mailbag, to get your questions in. And remember, use code 990360 to join the Jock Reynolds group. And we'll talk next time.